My Car Guru, episode 160. Good morning, everybody. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. You know, every now and then, everyone needs a reboot. You know, I never really knew what that term was until, I guess, when I first got my Tandy Commodore uh, 64K computer. I don't, I don't remember what year that was, but that was my first computer um, that was in our house. And it was pretty much type and play uh, Pong. Remember that game? That was my first video game. Dad went to the Magnavox store here in Greenville, Tennessee. Remember Magnavox? Yeah, most. Did you all know that that Magnavox TVs? Pretty much most of them, maybe all of them, were made in my hometown, Greenville, Tennessee. And if you are pretty old like me, you would have your parents would have had a console stereo. And it would have, you know, it looked like a big piece of furniture. All the electronics did. I think the, the TV makers and uh, any a lot of appliance makers like to use wood and make it look like a piece of furniture. Now they don't care. It's just a flat piece of, of glass, I guess, and plastic. But back then they made them pretty. And um, so they had a console stereo that, you know, had the sliding top and you... You kind of put the album down in there on the turntable, and you could set it to play 33. What were those other speeds? 33, 45, and super fast, 78. I believe that's what it was. But, uh, yeah, that was what the stereo was. It played AM and FM as well. And the sound quality was decent. I mean, it's nothing like it is today. But um, you didn't have to worry about rebooting things like that. Um all that stuff, it just worked. You know, you turned it on, and of course they had to warm up for a second. Remember that? <laughs> you know, they just had to wait for the tubes to get hot, I guess. And and then all of a sudden it came on, and there was there was your music, Perry Como or Frank Sinatra, Nat King Cole. Yeah, those were the days. That's when we had to dial a phone, not just punching numbers, a keyboard, you know, nothing like that. No, we had, we had to exercise. Parting, dialing a phone number was, was exercise. But it's not anymore. And uh, but still today, occasionally, just like this Apple computer that I have in front of me right now, my Big Mac. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not a hamburger. It's a computer. Um, it has, has to be rebooted occasionally. It has to be turned off and then turned back on and then it will work properly. I don't know what that does. It does something. Maybe it clears the cache, whatever that is, not CAC. C-A-S-H, C-A-C-H-E. They keep creating all these new words. It's very frustrating, but I'm a geese, and uh, but I'm proud of it. So anyway, you do have to reboot sometimes. Cars have to do that. Um, F-150, all this electronic stuff, uh, you know, you look at any Nissan, Honda, Toyota, occasionally you turn them off, turn them back on. Because the screen is blank or there's some kind of issue in the technician, you take it in to get it fixed, and they said, hey, we just had to reboot it. Um, so, and then they charge you $145 to do that. They probably shouldn't, but, you know, they do have to pay for their time. Uh, many, many of the shops can diagnose and fix something like that pretty quickly, but they have a diagnostic fee. Typically, it's based on one hour of labor time. So what is one hour of labor time worth in the typical car dealership? I'd say the average right now is probably around $120 an hour. That's probably low. I'd say if you look, if you add in all the de- uh, stores in 
in California and New York and stuff is probably $200 an hour. I was in a little independent shop uh, recently, uh, a repair shop, and he had his rates posted, and he was at $120 an hour. So I guess they finally figured out they can charge almost as much as a plumber just to reboot. So anyway, um, I have uh, occasionally have to give somebody the boot, maybe not to uh, make them unemployed, but at least to get their attention. I had to do that yesterday with a, a group of technicians in my quick lane. Now, it's not that they um, really do a bad job because they don't. They do a great job. But you know what? When you're working on people's cars, you have to do a great job just about 100% of the time. Now, is that too much to ask for somebody to do flawless work 100% of the time? It probably is. People are human, right, I think. And then they're going to have to, uh, um, you know, they've got stuff going on. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing that has really caused a lot of distractions on the part of people in a, working in a service environment, um, service department, I don't know, maybe plumbers, electricians, whatever. Same thing that causes uh, great distraction in the car, and that is the, yeah, that's right, cell phone. All my techs have cell phones. I wish they didn't. I've threatened to take them away before. I didn't threaten them. I just uh, threatened my service manager. I said, I'm kind of tired of seeing them on their phones, you know, when they're in their stalls. You know, back when I first started in the business, which was, I got, I actually started as a service advisor in 1975, 76 time frame. I was still in college and, you know, I could read, I could write, and I could talk to customers. Customers loved me. The technicians didn't love me as much um, because they thought I didn't know anything about cars. And guess what? They were right back then. But, uh, that you know, 40-plus years, 44 years in the car business uh, can definitely educate you a little bit. I still don't know everything that a tech knows. You know, I couldn't disassemble an engine. I guess I could, as long as I had it on YouTube. But it would, uh, I may not get it together perfectly. Um, but these guys, I mean, they, they are amazing the fact that they can, you know, blow apart a uh, 6.7 liter turbo diesel engine into a million pieces and get it back together with no bolts left over is pretty amazing. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk to my techs is because, you know, when somebody brings you a car to to a car dealership, you're handing it over to potentially strangers. I mean, you don't see the man behind the curtain. The wizard is back there, but you don't see him. You talk to the service advisor, and then you tell him what's wrong with your car, and then you know he goes back there and tells somebody else, and you never see that person. But they have the responsibility of making sure that your lug nuts are put on there tightly, You know that the alternator that they installed is, is going to alternate, is going to do what it's supposed to do. Um, there's so many safety things related to cars, your analog brake system, tire inflations. There's so many things that can cause an accident or cause a, a failure in a car, uh, it's not even funny. And these guys, every time they do an oil change, they, they have this checklist they're supposed to go by. What, the point I wanted to make to them is that, you know, you've got total strangers that are trusting you with their lives. I mean, if you fail to, you know, tighten the lug nuts, for example, you're rotating the tires and you fail to get them all tight and that wheel comes off, then that could be fatal. 
And uh, so you've got total strangers. Then they're not just trusting you. They're trusting me, the guy that owns the business. They're trusting the, the, the Ford sign, you know, on the front of the building. And you always have to take that seriously. And I, I don't guess that, you know, these people have families and, you know, situations and, um, you know, they're working hard and they, they, they bang up their hands and their feet and stuff doing this, uh, this difficult work and, you know, antifreeze dripping in their eyeballs and stuff like that. It's not easy and it's hot back there. And uh, we, we have very high expectations. And so it's easy for, for a human being to get distracted, but they, they can't. They just can't. And, and when they do mess up, you know, it, it falls on me. So I got an email from a guy that was upset at us for um, we installed a, um, a leveling kit. So I have that on my F-150. You know, the F-150 comes in, has kind of a rake to it. If you look at the front end versus the rear end, the, the, the front end is a little bit lower. And that's for aerodynamic purposes, and it makes perfectly good sense to do that. Well, some of us weirdos, we like to level our trucks or lift our trucks. And so I did that. I put a leveling kit on my vehicle and uh, bigger wheels and tires, or bigger tires. I didn't change the wheels. And so, you know, it dropped my fuel economy, but I didn't care. You know, I, I like the way it looks. Well, with his, um, he heard a, a noise out front when he went over a pretty serious bump, and two bolts were just finger tight on that uh, front suspension. Now, nothing was going to fall off, and it wasn't going to matter, matter from a safety standpoint, but goodness gracious, you cannot do that. You have to check the um, the torque on those bolts to make sure that they're right. I mean, so what do I do as a businessman? Am I supposed to go back there and immediately fire that technician? Well, that would be the simple thing to do. It would be very costly because he's a really good technician and rarely, if ever, makes a mistake. So I handled it delicately, and and he was very sorry for what he did and, and felt real bad and you know, I, I guess any business, regardless uh, if you're running a restaurant or a hair salon, you know, there's always opportunities to mess up. And when you do, it's not whether you're going to mess up or not. You do want to get the frequency down for sure, but it's not whether you're going to fail. It's what do you do when you fail? You know, what kind of action do you take? So the um, first thing I think any business has to do is sincerely apologize. You know how hard – have you noticed how hard it is for somebody – to apologize. I was at Ingalls the other day. That's a that's a big grocery store around here, and I like to go there there and get some of their um, hot food. And I was there to get my chicken tenders, my green beans, and my mashed potatoes. They have really good mashed potatoes. So this guy walks up behind me and hands the, his food back to the lady. And said, "I found a hair in this food," um, and oh, she was uh, kind of offended. She looked at him and. I ain't one of our. She didn't say anything, but I could see it all over her. She did not like it because by him bringing that back and saying it had a hair in it, he was accusing her of putting her hair in his food. And uh, she, he was offended. She was offended. And you know, I'm sitting there and I'm not even involved, and I'm somewhat offended. Uh, I wouldn't want to find hair in my food, but you know, at least if somebody, if that were to happen, somebody should apologize, right? There was no apology. They just kind of threw it in the garbage, just just hurled it into the garbage, and then and then made made it uh, right, filled it up again, handed it to him. I started to put one of my hairs in it. No, I didn't. Um, so you know, we just have to think about what we're going to do. Number one, apologize. Number two, tell them what you're going to do 
not what you can't do. Tell them what you can do, which is make it really convenient for them. You know, in our case, loan them a car to drive or a truck if they happen to be driving a truck. Fix the problem. Double, double check your fix. Um, And then when they come in, give them something free. You know, of course, you're not going to charge them. Give them a discount on what you did. You know, something to acknowledge the failure because what's the goal here? The goal is to retain the customer, right? Do you know how much it costs to get a customer? Um, You know, as far as your advertising and all of that stuff, and you're going to blow them out because of uh, hair and mashed potatoes? You know, all of a sudden they start shopping at Kroger's because you didn't apologize? No, you're not going to do that. You don't want your people to do it either. So, you know, if you're running a small running a small business, then this is something you need to be aware of and have a meeting and be nice. But, you know, give them put it in in terms that they'll understand. And uh not that they're, you know, not smart, but some people just can't relate to the issue. I mean, can a service technician relate to the fact that if, you know, if you mess up accidentally leave an oil filter or maybe oil cap got spilled a little oil on their engine or something that that would run somebody off? You know, they may be thinking, well, I got oil all over my engine. That wouldn't make me mad. But they're not thinking about this customer that just spent $120,000 on a something, and that's a brand-new pristine engine, and they don't want oil on it, and they don't want to smell the oil when it gets hot, right? So these are things that we have to do uh, if we're running a car dealership. And you have the right as a consumer to complain. And I would encourage anybody to complain, but complain nicely. Don't go blasting them on Facebook and all that stuff. Give the business a chance to make it right. A lot of people won't. They'll just go on Facebook and start drilling on them and and seeing how many people they can get upset and you know get likes and stuff like that. That's not that's not nice. You know, call the owner, sit down with them, say this is what happened to me, and I just wanted you to know it because the owner, if if they're worth their salt, they're going to look at you and say, you know what, thank you for complaining because. I needed to hear this. My business needs to fix this, and I hope that we will be able to retain you as a customer in the long run because that's what's important to us. Okay, I'll take my first break. Be back here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. You know, the Ford Motor Company is really um, on an EV roll right now. It just seems like that's all that they're talking about. Of course, I am a Ford dealer and a Nissan dealer. And I've had Toyota dealership, or part of one. I was a partner in one. Uh, three different Chevy dealerships. Um, what else? Mazda. I was a Mazda dealer for a long time. Mitsubishi for a period of time. I think about eight years. Um, what else? I tried to get Subaru. Couldn't get it. Um, I had Buick. No, didn't have I had Oldsmobile. Yeah, I was an Oldsmobile dealer for a while. And I uh, really liked them, but... GM decided to pull the plug on Oldsmobile. Uh, but anyway, Ford is uh, basically creating two companies. I mentioned this the other day. They are dividing their company into two parts, the electric part and the gas engine part. And I think, based on everything I'm reading, they're wanting the gas engine part to go bye-bye. They just announced 8,000 employees are going to be um, terminated, not laid off, terminated, uh, offered buyout packages and so forth. 3,000 of the 8,000 are um, white-collar uh, office people, and they're trying to reduce their expenses because, you know, it's a tough 
market right now. There's just not the volume of cars being sold. So, uh, but they are they are determined to uh, get to massive volumes by 2023. They're saying global production of EVs will be 600,000 units, uh, and then more than two million by the end of 2026. Ford says it expects the compound annual growth rate for EVs to top 90 percent through 2026, more than doubling the forecast industry growth rate. So maybe that's true. I don't know where everybody's going to get them charged, but I guess they're houses. Keep in mind, if you buy an electric vehicle, you don't just take it home and plug it into your 110 outlet. You can, but it's going to take about four days for it to charge. You're just going to have to sit around the house and do housework and you know, maybe do a building project or something like that. Won't go to work because unless you ride your bicycle because your car won't be charged. No, you're going to have to put in a 220 outlet, you know, like the one that powers your uh, oven and probably your washer, washing machine, uh, or your dryer. I can't remember which one uses 220. But that 220 will give you the voltage that you need uh, to be able to charge your electric vehicle in... Mm, Eight hours, eight to nine hours. So you can tuck it into your garage when you go to bed and then wake up the next morning and it'll be fully charged. But I think, you know, really with 350 miles of range like this new F-150 and the Mach-E and Teslas and so forth, uh, most people are going to uh, not have to charge but maybe once a week, you know, for most of your driving. Because, I mean, 350 miles, do you drive 350 miles a week? I guess a lot of people do when they commute, especially when you live in rural America and a small town, you don't really have to go that far unless you're working 60 miles away in a bigger town. A lot of people do that. So uh, that's going to be a consideration. Now, if you do have to commute and it's a long distance, then um, you better make sure that you charge, get it nice and charged at home because you may not be able to find a, a charging station that'll work. Tesla charging stations will not work on any other vehicles unless it's a Tesla. And I think they have more charging stations than anybody else. But if you're, you know, just looking, if you have a regular old everyday EV, then that's something different. But Ford is is really uh, looking at really ramping it up faster than everybody else. And that's Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford. He really believes in that. So we'll see. I'm supposed to go to Las Vegas and find out all about it in September. So I'll, I'll try to keep all of you guys informed of what's going on on the EV front. Um, you know, on the um, internal combustion engine front, you're safe. You're good to go. Just go to a gas station. I see gas prices coming down. Uh, around here, they're under $4 a gallon in many cases. I, I paid three ninety nine. I didn't jump up and down, though, because um, I, I liked it better when it was two ninety nine. But, you know, a lot of areas of the country. Thank goodness we don't live in, sorry if you're listening, in California or New York, or some of those other places. But, uh, you know, we don't pay as much for gas as you do. If you don't like it, then, I'm sorry, move to Montana or something. Uh, you can come to Tennessee, but just, you know, just not too close to East Tennessee. I'm just kidding. Uh, we welcome anybody here um, as, as long as you... Uh, and plus, you know, I was talking to a gentleman that bought a house across the street from a good friend of mine, and I can't remember what he paid for his house. I think my buddy said it was like six or 700000 which is a lot of money for a house in, East, in 
you know, this community. He said this same house would be about $3 million in Laguna Niguel, California, where he was, I think, where he was from. Um, I said, does it cost that much more to build a house in California? He said, well, it costs a lot. You know, the workers and stuff command more money and things like that. It seems like that'd be a good place to flip houses if, you know, if you could buy the materials cheap enough. But they probably have all kinds of regulations and permits and stuff like that that you have to buy. That's one of the things that I love about Tennessee. No state income tax. Sales tax is kind of high. And it's kind of how, you know, you pay sales tax on cars on the trading difference. So that's a good thing. In some states, you pay sales tax on the full purchase price, which is no good. But, uh, you know, so there are advantages and disadvantages no matter, no matter where you live. But Tennessee's the best. Anyway, I'm going to take my last break. Be back here in just a minute. Okay, two things you need to watch out for. Um, leaving your car in the same place for a long time is somewhat hazardous to your catalytic converter. Apparently, I don't know if you folks have heard this, but catalytic, catalytic, sorry. Some people around here call it Cadillac converters, but it's catalytic. So what it does is it converts uh, the nasty exhaust fumes coming out of your engine into something a little bit less nasty out the tailpipe, and it uses some precious metals to do that. And um, so anyway, those precious metals are... Pretty precious, and so a lot of thieves are stealing them. Not so much here, but uh, I've seen it a lot in other parts of the country where uh, people would, would uh, like it's hospitals. Can you believe it? They go to hospitals, and they steal like 20 catalytic converters off of cars, and they can get a catalytic converter off of a car in about uh, less than a minute. They have these uh, cordless saws, and they just cut through the exhaust pipe on one end and then on the other end, then throw it in the bed of their truck and drive off. And uh, there's money in that. Now, they're cracking down on the people who buy those, recyclers and stuff like that. And that's probably, when you go to the uh, demand side of it, if you cut the demand, then, uh, you know, people won't steal things, you know, in order to satisfy that. So, uh, anyway, watch out for that leaving your car. If you hear of, of a th- ring of thefts going on, then you might want to start parking your in your garage. If you have no choice, I don't know what to tell you to do. Uh, you know, you don't want to booby trap your car because then some criminal would get blown up and sue you. That's just the way we are in this world. But I'm going to try to keep you guys informed of what's going on. Call me on my cell phone if you need me, 423-552-2020. Or send me a text, and I'll try to answer your question. I will uh, value vehicles for you if you're getting ready to trade cars and, and you want to know what your car's worth, and I'll tell you. I'll pull an auto check for you for free, which would be a vehicle history if you're thinking about buying something. I've got people here that can do that pretty quickly, and we can get right back to you before you go out and buy a car from anybody. Uh, you know, it's the worst thing in the world is to buy a problem car from somebody else because you didn't do the due diligence. You didn't check the service history and the warranty history, which nobody knows to do unless you listen to this show. And the other side of it is you don't know how to interpret some of these reports, and I can help you with that. Because I'm the car guru, Lenny Lawson, give me a shot, and I will talk to you guys uh, tomorrow.